When you're a genius, life can be grand. You comprehend, you understand. Hulk Hogan is laid to rest. He is the genius, he is the best. Behold, the genius Lanny Popper, the world's smartest man. Sometimes what goes on behind the scenes is stronger than the soap opera on the video score. You're listening to the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo and co-host JP Zarka of ProWrestlingStories.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the poet and limerick writing, motivational speaking brother of WWE Hall of Famer Randy Savage, the genius, Leaping Lanny Poffo! Hello again, wrestling fans. This is Lanny Poffo, and here's my friend, the master of all he surveys. J.P. Zarka, ProWrestlingStories.com. Lanny, how you been since we've last talked? Oh, I'm doing great. And you, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm a bit tired. We got in last night at about 1 in the morning. We were in Italy for the last few days. Where in Italy? We flew into Naples. We were staying in Naples for four days. We went up to Pompeii, which was about a 30-minute train ride from there, and we saw the ruins, which was fantastic, and then we did a day trip over to uh, Sorrento, which was gorgeous. It's right off the coast there in the Mediterranean, and yeah, it was really good fun. A lot of good food, a lot of drinking, and I think my hangover is over, and my stomach is adjusting to having normal food again after eating such great food, but yeah, it was a really great time. Have you been to Italy before? Oh, yes, I've been to Italy before. Yes, I've been to uh, Rome or Roma, and uh, I've been to Milan, the island of Sardinia. I've been to Lucca, where my grandparents are from, and I've been to Florence and um, Pisa, where the Leaning Tower is. Right. But you were in Naples. That's where they invented pizza over 100 years ago. That's right. Of course. You know, being a food fanatic, my wife and I, we tend to travel to different places in the world just for the food. And Napoli was one of those places for that. We definitely had pizza every single day we were there. I've got some family from Naples. My grandfather's parents, they were from Naples, and he was the first American born from that side. We've also got some family from Calabria. Now, I've never been to Calabria before, but it's on my list. Now, Italy, there's just this feeling in the air. You know, there's like a romanticness, also this hardness. I find with the Italians, they either love you or they want nothing to do with you. We were on the train to Pompeii and there was a guy who wouldn't even look at us because my daughter was making too much noise. She was singing Itsy Bitsy Spider, which most people would find to be cute, but he wanted nothing to do with it. But now we had such a great time. Now Naples, there's a grittiness to it. A lot of cars on the streets, a lot of motorbikes. There's a smell in the air, you know, probably from the exhaust from the vehicles and, you know, the Mediterranean being right there. Lots of graffiti, but I kind of like that harshness. I like the food. I like the people. I loved it all. And we'll definitely be going back there again soon. In Napoli, where love is king, when boy meets girl, here's what they say. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Sing with me. <laughs> it's amore. <laughs> I actually don't know the words to that song, and I should. I know my uh, my grandpa. He's rolling in his grave. <laughs> Bells all ring, tippy tippy. Never mind, we're not going to do that. Okay, 
Um, we're losing listeners right now. Can you imagine? Yeah, no, but we're actually building up our Italian listenership, which is great. Now, speaking of other countries listening to our show, we have been ranking in the top 10 in Argentina for the last week and a half. So to our fans in Argentina, thank you for listening to the Genius Cast. I hope you're enjoying what you hear. You know what I'd like to do then? Um, I'd like to get Pampero Furpo on the show. I know he's, you know, I'll get, I get some help with his daughter, Mary, but uh, he's from Buenos Aires and um, he's the guy that uh, Randy took the, oh yeah, from, you know, except it was, oh yeah, you know, he did it differently, but um, he's starting to lose his cognitive ability. But if he's got any left, I'd love to get him on our show because Pampero Furpo was one of the all-time greats. And can you imagine? Yeah, it would be a fantastic privilege to have Furpo on our show. And you mentioned his daughter, Mary. She's a follower of our show. We get messages from her from time to time. It's always good to hear from her. Yes, it is. Uh, she's a terrific girl. You know, she's got a master's degree. She's a teacher. Her husband is a policeman in San Jose, California. And um, just the best people. And we like good people. So what you've been up to? You've been home now for about a week and a half, no, two weeks from Japan. And I catch you at weird hours. Now, of course, being in London, I'm six hours, no, I'm five hours ahead of you. But I usually catch you when you wake up, which is about five in the morning in Tampa, which is 10 in the morning for me. It works out perfectly. But yeah, your sleep schedule is still all whacked up, isn't it? It's because of those naps I take. And then I can't sleep at night, you know, so it's, um, it's fine. No big deal. I mean, there's other people that have a heavier cross to bear. Right. But it's it's all my fault. Yeah, first world problems. They say when you when you travel halfway across the world just to stay up, you gotta force yourself through it even though you're tired. Stay up, go to bed at the normal time and then hopefully you'll wake up at the normal time after that. When I went to Australia a couple years back, it took me about a week to adjust. Hopefully you'll be back on schedule. By the way, I, I got an email from uh, somebody from Perth and he loved my story that I met that Aborigine girl that was 10 years old. He said, you're my favorite wrestler. And uh, he flipped. And, you know, we're getting the, all these emails, you know, and the, we are touching people's lives. I'm very happy about it. Absolutely. Yeah, we're getting emails from all over the world. We had one from Venezuela the other show. And, you know, we were talking about how we're ranking in Argentina. Another country we're surprisingly ranking in is in Poland. We were in the top 20 a few weeks in a row. You know, so thank you to our Polish fans. Polska. Zendobre. And you know what? I blame it all on you. I tell uh, everybody that if it wasn't for J.P. Zarka, we would be swimming in excrement because <laughs> uh, this guy knows how to promote and he's a real P.T. Barnum. He gets the word out. And what's really exciting is uh, you launched a YouTube thing for the Genius Cast. Tell him about that. Yes, uh, we have been so blessed to have Corey Rivard. Now, he's somebody who knows you. He's met you, and in fact, you're a friend of his sister's. Um, he reached out to us a few weeks back saying he'd like to help out in any way. He's a listener of the show. He loves the Pafos, and he's doing everything on YouTube. So go on YouTube.com right now. Search The Genius Cast with Lanny Pafo. Hit subscribe. We've got all the best clips from each of our episodes so far, and he does this really good thing with the editing where, you know, you got animations in there, and, you know, it really makes... What we're talking about come to life you'll love it so if you've missed an episode and you're thinking about going back and listening to like episode three or episode six or seven what have you go on to our page you can click through hear a couple bits maybe you'll like it and you'll tune in but thank you to Corey. you've been doing an amazing job subscribe there and tell 17 friends excellent we're about to have our show with evan ginsburg who i owe 
knowing you to him. That's right. And uh, I'll never forgive him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, really. Um, I'm part Italian and part Jewish. So I always tease him because he's fully Jewish and he is stereotypical of a New York Jew. I'll tell you what, we've never had a contract between Evan and I. It's only been a handshake. And because you're a friend of his, it's only been a handshake with us too, right? Absolutely. We don't have a contract between us. And uh, Evan, I've known him for many, many years. He's never let me down. And you've never let me down, and I'll never let you down. And I make this promise in front of We're not going to end up in people's court, you and I. Oh, no. No, it's not about that. It's about just having a passion for talking, sharing the past, and, you know, hopefully people enjoy what we're doing. But no, there's no contracts between us. It's everything split down the middle. And, you know, with Evan, um, it was back in July of just a few months back. I went to go visit him in Queens, New York. And he was promoting the movie 350 Days, which is a documentary you were a part of. And he was associate producer. So I flew out there. I took a week off work to do this. And, you know, I met Greg the Hammer Valentine. I met J.J. Dillon, Tito Santana. I met yourself. And it was on one of those days where he's like, I've got Lanny coming out. He's doing this autograph session, um, you know, near my house. Come out. We'll, we'll grab some food. And, you know, you just get to meet him. And I was like, Absolutely. So I took the train from Brooklyn, where I was staying with, I was staying over at my buddy's place. And, you know, you and I, we hit it off right off the bat. You know, even before we sat down, we were laughing. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that chance meeting. And it was just right after that, we became friends. And the idea of the show came about. And, of course, you mentioned to me that you have had a lot of people ask you to do a podcast. What was it about me that made you want to do the show? I didn't want to do any work. Okay, that's the reason I didn't want to do a podcast. And... You promised me you would do all the work and I just have to sit and talk on this microphone. And uh, you know what? I haven't done anything and you've done it all. And you've done a masterful job. And uh, I cannot believe that in only 12 weeks, uh, we were up with a bullet and we're getting so popular and people are stopping me. And uh, even when I was in Japan, they said, hey, I listened to your podcast. And I said, you know, it's like amazing, you know, uh, that we're really getting out there. And of course, the momentum now. What we've got to do, we've got some surprises, don't we, coming up. You know what I mean? We're not going to say what they are, but it's going to be better than ever, and it's going to be exciting. And what I really like is the fans interacting, because I think they want to be a part of the show, too. Speaking of fans, I want to thank Kieran McLeod for sending in that clip of her singing at the start of our show. She's a fan of yours from Scotland, and you met her when you did some shows out there back in ooh, August? Yeah, August. I can't remember the date, but um, she was there. She's a professional singer. She's a friend of the uh, Scottish Wrestling Entertainment promotion, and... Um, I can't wait to get back there. That was uh, They treated me very nicely. You know, we love this type of interaction. So we, we do mention, and we've mentioned in the past, record yourself doing something, whether it's reading a poem that you've written or singing a song or asking a question to Lanny or myself. It doesn't matter. We'll put it in our show because this podcast is for you guys. It's not, I mean, yes, we get enjoyment out of this too, but we want to make this about you guys as much as possible. So continue to send your things in over to thegeniuscast at prowrestlingstories.com. That's our email. Or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at the Genius Cast. And, you know, we've got a lot of people helping out. You know, it's not just me. We got a lot of other people on board. We got Joe Stasi and Ted Gilmer from the ICW, the Pafos. It's a Facebook page. Follow them. Really, really good, you know, 
just stories and pictures and video content from, you know, before you guys were with the WWF, really excellent stuff. They're helping out with the social media. So most of the pictures you're seeing on the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram accounts is coming from them. Like I mentioned, we've got Corey River helping us out with the uh, YouTube side of things. And Kevin Meeker, he's been awesome. He does all our logos. It's a big team effort over here. Very happy to be a part of this. I'm happy to have you guys listening and spreading the word. It means the world to us. So thank you. Yes, it's exciting. And I, I'm so happy that I that you twisted my arm until I capitulated. Yes, I will try the podcast and uh, the Genius Cast. I didn't even think of the name. You did. You know what I'm thinking? And I said, well, that's a catchy, you know, because I like it short and sweet, you know, the Genius Cast. It sounds... It sounds like uh, you broke your arm and you got a genius cast. <laughs> now, hopefully when people listen, they do feel a bit more like a genius, hopefully learning new things each week. And, you know, the name just came to me. And sometimes that's the best way forward. You don't want to think too much about these things. And then it gets a bit, you know, convoluted and, and it becomes work. And that's not what this is about. This isn't about work. You know, I'm enjoying every minute of this and hopefully you guys are too. Speaking of the name genius, we all know what rhymes with genius. Hello, Trixie. Hello, Lanny. (laughs) You know, your husband, um, you were telling me, had a performance problem. Yes, he did. Yes. Kind of a meatloaf situation? Yeah, kind (laughs) of. And what did you get him? Blue Chew. Blue Chew? Yes. Say it again. Blue Chew. It's amazing. Well, in what way is it amazing? Well, shall we say harder, faster, stronger? How about length? Yes. And thickness? Absolutely. Um, How is it with your chafing? (laughs) Well, I'll deal with it. So you're very happy. You were a frustrated, desperate housewife. I was. And um, and now you're in the uh, you're in the pink. Absolutely. Great. Now, what do you have to say to all those men that are ashamed to get blue chew? Oh, don't be ashamed. You'll be so happy you got it. Remember, Blue Chew, it's for you. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You could take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Now listeners, right now, we've got a special deal. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment when you use the special promo code GENIUS. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHEW.com. Promo code GENIUS to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. So we're going to have Evan Ginsberg on the line. He was the associate producer for the movie The Wrestler. He writes on ProWrestlingStories.com. He has been doing radio in New York for many, many years. He used to do the Wrestling Then and Now newsletter. But again, we thank him for Lanny and I knowing each other. And, you know, Evan is an overall fantastic human being. I consider him a very good friend. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this interview, which is going to start now. (laughs) 
It is a pleasure to have Evan Ginsberg on the line with us today. He was associate producer for the movie The Wrestler in 350 Days, starring Bret Hart and superstar Billy Graham. That movie just came out. It's really awesome. I hope more information about that comes out soon so you guys can watch it too if you haven't already. He's the host of The Evan Ginsberg Show, which can be seen and heard on Village Connection Radio Vision on Sundays from 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. It's an honor to be on with you guys. Well, the pleasure is mine, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Evan, thank you for many, many years of friendship. And, you know, we never had to sign a contract between us. Our word was good enough. That's very rare. Business on a handshake, and um, Killer Kowalski was the same way, and uh, Johnny Valiant, and Nikolai, and, you know, a lot of the old school guys are very honorable um, Unlike many of the promoters, you know. The, the so. name the name Nick Goulas comes to mind. <laughs> okay, you would know better than me. Yes. So you're quite a busy guy. I mean, you teach. You're into music. You are doing your radio show. You used to put out a wrestling newsletter, Wrestling Then and Now. You've been a wrestling fan for years. You got a story to share. I'm interested. Let's start from the top. Now, when did you first get into wrestling? I was sitting at home in the early. 70s, I would say 1972, and I'm on the UHF dial, which no longer exists. I'm sure Lanny remembers, and um, I'm flipping the channels, the uh, 10 or 12 channels that actually were on there, and I see this Indian getting pounded by this much larger guy, and um, it turns out it was wrestling, and it was uh, Lanny's uh, quote-unquote favorite, Chief J. Strongbow, getting <laughs> pounded by this. Uh, I don't even remember who it was, and I'm a kid. I'm a kid, and I'm watching this, and I literally don't know what it is. And then I'm like, wow. You know, he starts doing this, like, herky-jerky war dance, and <laughs> next thing you know, he's pinning the far bigger guy, and, you know, then there's all these promos back then it was like all squash matches it was very different from raw and smackdown today where all the stars are wrestling but uh i was just fascinated and in my head it was the equivalent of marvel or dc superheroes and supervillains and i started watching religiously and then i discovered the la territory on tv with uh, john tolis and the Hollywood Blondes, and Gordman and Goliath, and Oliver Humperdinck, and, you know, just these amazing, amazing, Blassie, of course, and um, then I discovered the Florida Territory on New York TV, with Gordon Soley making every match sound like the Super Bowl and the World Series rolled into one, and you had the Briscoes and the Funks and some of the greatest wrestlers, the Assassins. I mean, just unbelievable talent in Florida. And, uh, you know, I was just just obsessed at that point as a kid. And finally, my father, who was a cab driver who never broke 25 grand, he took me to Madison Square Garden. And uh, it was the Valiant Brothers against Dean Ho and Tony Guerrero, and it was uh, with Lou Albano, no less. And it was uh, Blassie and Nikolai against Bruno and Strongbow in the main event. It was June 24, 1974. I even remember the date. And it was just like 
you know, it's just a lifelong passion, which, you know, has changed over the years, but that's how I started watching. And uh, I started going to the garden and the Nassau Coliseum and Westchester County Center with my dad, like religiously two, three times a month. And that was during the WWF uh, era pre-Hogan, you know, in the 70s, in the 70s, yeah. Now, you saw some classics. I mean, I'm very lucky to have you writing for ProWrestlingStories.com where you get to share your stories and go on Pro Wrestling Stories and look up my top five moments from Madison Square Garden. Break down some of the best things you saw over at the MSG. Sure. Off the top of my head, um, Bruno and Billy Graham, although it was, you know, very basic meat and potatoes, you know, punch, kick, you know, it was magic. It was just magic. I mean, the building literally vibrated. Uh, it shook. And, you know, no pyro, no entrance music, just two guys walking down the ring with sheer charisma. Um, Bruno and Spiros Arion. Back then when people turned, it meant something. And Arion turned on Bruno and they wrestled three straight months. And every Greek taxi driver in New York was at the uh, matches and uh, it was just amazing and um, Pat Patterson came in he was tremendous uh, I know he's not Lanny's favorite person no wait tremendous. a minute I said he, he was a great worker and um, and I never said he wasn't I just said um, he prevented Randy from wrestling Shawn Michaels and finishing his career with perhaps the greatest match that never happened so, so I did not say that Pat wasn't a great worker. But let me ask you a question: How old? How old were you when you did you and did you feel hoodwinked when you realized that Chief J Strongbow's war dance was not Indian; it was Italian? Uh, it, it was interesting. I, as a kid, I was a total mock. I was a kid, and what I'll tell you exactly what happened. It, it was <laughs> it's quite a story. The older kids, the older kids. And this is in the pre-internet days. They told me straight out. They go, superstar Billy Graham is going to win the title from Bruno on April 30th, 1977. And they're telling me this two months in advance. And it's exactly what happened. Okay? So it's like, okay, so now I'm aware I'm aware it's, 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 it's a work. And I just looked at it differently. But, you know, it's like if you're watching a movie, let's say from that era, Clint Eastwood's not shooting the guy. Bruce Lee's not killing the guy. Charles Bronson isn't killing the muggers. You know, it's, it is what it is. And I appreciated it on a different level. So, yeah, yeah, not that long into it. I, I, I was made very well aware that it was a work and that, yes, Chief J. Strongbow was Italian and uh, et cetera, so on. But um, I still enjoyed it nonetheless. And uh, it was, well, I just good, appreciated it on a different level. Good answer. Good answer. I mean, what I kind like of it. psychopath would you have to be if you wanted wrestling to be real? The way that you see it on TV, if that was real life, ooh. <laughs> well, if you think about it, when you have like... Uh, you know, five guys come out and jump one guy in real life. That's assault. You'd be taken to jail, you know? Right, it's, exactly. Uh, Plus, uh, all, just think about all those Batman villains, you know, that we had. <laughs> you know? Well, I'll tell you, when, when, I, when I would watch Nikolai come out and, sh 
and shatter fruit in his bare hands. It was like a supervillain. I mean, the guy had, the guy literally had superpowers. I couldn't I couldn't smash fruit in my bare hands. But I'm sure you, you tried. Know? Yeah, unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, one one night I was on the road as an agent with Nikolai, and and we're sharing a hotel. And he gets up like five six in the morning. He's doing hundreds of push ups with these old school Russian blocks. Not Russian. Uh, he's re- he's really Croatian. So he uh, he's doing the he's doing these um, push-ups with the uh, blocks, and then he's like, "Evan, let's arm wrestle," and, and I'm like, "Okay," and I literally couldn't move him one inch, not one inch, and this is how powerful this guy was. So um, like 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 superheroes and supervillains. I mean, Bruno could bench press 500 pounds or whatever. I mean, these guys were like really. You know, like I said, superpowers, especially as a kid. As a kid, they were 10 feet tall. And and all great performers are 10 feet tall. When I go to see James Brown or Al Green or Marvin Gaye, they were 10 feet tall. You know, it's great, you know, just charisma and talent. And as a kid, you're looking at it very differently. Even today, if somebody's great, you know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I'll meet a celebrity and I'm like, wow, I'm taller than this guy because on stage you're like an oar, you know. Well, you're a tall guy. You're what six three, six four? Uh, six two and a half. Yeah, yeah. we'll say six four. <laughs> when you were yeah, little, yeah. you used to, you used to wait outside Madison Square Garden, and you would meet the wrestlers. And of course, they were larger than life. How was that as a kid, seeing these real life superheroes before your eyes? Um, it was an interesting experience um, as a kid especially when I didn't quite get it all, didn't quite compre- comprehend it all. I'm like, wow, George Steele talks. Right. <laughs> you know? And Lou Albano, Albano's nice. And, and Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes aren't signing autographs for the kids. <laughs> you know? And Billy Graham's nice, and he's signing for everybody. So you know, you, you're kind of like figuring it out like up close and personal as a kid. And... Uh, Sometimes the heels are very nice and the faces aren't quite as nice. Bruno always signed. Bruno was super nice and Tito Santana always signed. And uh, yeah, most of them did, but uh, a few of them, especially it was disillusioning when it was one of your heroes who didn't want to be bothered. Now, how did you go from being a fan and then, uh, you know, you led up to doing the wrestling then and now newsletter, which would come out monthly, I believe, or were they, were they annuals? It was it was monthly. Um, what happened was I was laid off. I was laid off from a job, and I had time on my hands. And I said, "Why don't I do a wrestling newsletter or sheet or zine or fanzine or whatever you want to call it at the time?" Um, but rather than just do the same news and over over analysis of. TV matches and such and pay-per-views. What I did was just pour my guts out, you know, about my experiences. And and if you talk to any older fan, what they're going to tell you is, as a kid, some of your greatest childhood memories were going to wrestling with your dad, your mom, your grandfather, your grandmother, your uncle, your aunt, whoever whoever it was that took you because now they're gone. Now they're gone 20, 30, 40 years later. And so I, I just took a whole different approach 
and like let's do writing instead of just you know recording results and analyzing often meaningless angles and I just came at it from a different uh, from a different way and um along the way guys like Kowalski started writing for us and um you know it just it was it was a great experience but like many things the technology ultimately you know heard it i mean everything was free on the internet and people weren't reading physical even newspapers today are struggling to survive so we we had a 20 year run with it so i can't really complain how was it like meeting killer kowalski for the first time it was surreal because as lanny will tell you he was very very shy he was very quiet and uh he would just kind of look at you from across the room. So you, you, would have, you would have to start the conversation. And once, once you broke the ice, you know, the guy was very intelligent and worldly and warm. And um, he would take his camera all over the world and take pictures of everything from wrestlers to uh, exotic locales to insects, whatever the case may be. He was a master photographer. He wrote poetry. He was an expert on nutrition. He he was a very interesting, worldly person. And as much as I loathe certain things about the Internet, um, it really means a lot to me when I see, you know, on the 10th anniversary of Walter Killer's death, you know, people are speaking so fondly of him. And even um, Nikolai, who just passed, Bret Hart posted Nikolai Volkov, was the nicest man I ever met in pro wrestling. I mean, what could, you know, what, what's higher praise than that? So it's, it's nice that the internet keeps the memories of these guys alive. And there are guys, Lanny will tell you, there are some great, great wrestlers that history hasn't been kind to because their career peaked before you know, the uh, mid-80s revolution. It peaked before the technology and the internet hit. Like guys like John Tolos. Tolos was as great a heel as, you know, ever walked the face of the earth. And there's not a lot of footage of him. There's not a lot of video. So when you see people talking about him, it makes you feel good. It's like, you know, it's it's a form of immortality because not everybody, you know, had the benefits of... uh, the media, like Nikolai's, Nikolai's good. Nikolai was there during the peak period. You, you, could, you could watch 80 hours a week of Nikolai footage if you chose to. But guys like John Tolos, that's not the case. Just not the case. Evan, we've had a few deaths uh, just lately. Uh, did you know Dick Slater or Don Leo Jonathan? Don Leo Jonathan's actually in 350 days. I, I, I don't know. I didn't know him personally. And Dick Slater, I never dealt with whatsoever. So you'd, you'd be best to talk about them on a personal level. Actually, him and, him and my brother were friends in Atlanta. Um, I wrestled Dick Slater about five times in the WWF, WWE. And, uh, but I can't say I know him, but my brother liked him a lot. And whenever they would travel together, guess what they talked about? the business and how to figure it out and, you know, make it better. And uh, Randy loved hanging around him because he picked his brain. Dick Slater was one of those 
old school territory guys who headlined Florida and Georgia. He just headlined all the territories. He was tremendous. Vince brought him in, gave him a you know poor gimmick, and he only lasted like a year here. The Rebel. And uh, but Dick Slater was tremendous in his prime, tremendous. And you know, one of the things about Slater, he had a great personality on his own, but for some reason, he was in love with Terry Funk and he copied him. You know, and uh, I felt that was, you know, I love Terry Funk myself, but you really shouldn't copy somebody that much. You know, um, anyway, if you look at the old footage of Dick Slater, you'll notice a lot of Terry Funk in there. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, Terry's. There should be a statue in every major city in America of Terry Funk. And while they're taking down statues for political reasons, put up Terry Funk statues. Put them in other countries as well. They're, 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 te they're tearing down statues all over America. <laughs> we, we need Terry Funk statues in city capitals. That would be great. <laughs> in the business of professional wrestling, being around it, there are a lot of deaths. And you, Evan, you've experienced a lot of close friends die over the years. Yeah, it's uh, it's brutal. It's brutal. Um, I'm talking close personal friends. The one the one that hit me the most was Tiger Khan, who wrestled for the Hearts up in Calgary. This was one of my best friends in the world, and you know he had the dream. And um, 20 years back, you know the, the smaller guys didn't make it in WWE. This was really you know, right before the Rey Mysterio era and, uh, you know, the steroids and everything else uh, did him in. They found him dead in bed at 33. So uh, to get that phone call um, was just devastating, devastating. And, uh, you know, and Johnny Valiant recently was a very close friend. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching a movie with my wife and I just go on the internet after the movie and, there's six messages. What happened to Johnny? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then you see, then you see a uh, news clip, you know, with his bag on the side of the road in, in Pittsburgh. And, you know, the guy's dead. It's not, it's not the best way to find out that a friend is gone. So, uh, you know, and, and literally two minutes before I'm about to do my radio show, I get a call that Nikolai died. So I'm just like... Uh, you know, I have to I have to perform for two hours after finding out that that somebody you know and had been on the road with. Uh, you know, we went all over the country doing autograph signings and uh, just you know, it, it's it's like when when you're Lanny will tell you more much more so than me because Lanny lived it more than I did. You know, when you're on the road with people and you're eating and traveling and you know sharing rooms and you know, you really bond with people, and um, it, it's, you know, it, you, my my friend Scott Wilson, who's a wrestling historian, he says, this has been a year of, you know, incredible loss, incredible loss. Um, Johnny, and Nikolai, and Don Leo Jonathan, and Bruno, and, you know, you, you're never going to replace guys like this. I mean, they, they were larger than life. They headlined arenas literally around the world, and um, what can I say? You know, and, and and to know some of them on a very personal level. I mean, Johnny would be sleeping on my couch. 
I mean, you know, it's um, it's very uh, very hard, very hard. It's heart wrenching. I mean, professional wrestling is one of those forms of entertainment where it just seems like people are dropping like flies every week. Well, the thing with Nikolai and Lanny will tell you because Lanny's very health conscious. Also, you know. Everybody thought Nikolai would live to 90. <laughs> the guy's carrying nuts and fruit. and This, this guy wouldn't put a, an unhealthy thing in his mouth. The reason I would room with him when we were doing signings instead of the sheik, he's like, Evan, you room with me. You know, early to bed, early to rise. You know, this guy would be in bed like 9 o'clock and he'd be up 5 in the morning or whatever. You know, and... I thought he'd live to 100, really. I, it was so shocking. I mean, logically, I mean, I'm not a doctor. You know, I say to myself, at his peak, he was carrying 320, 330, whatever pounds, and that's, that's a strain on your heart. Ultimately, it was uh, heart issues that did him in. But I never thought Nikolai would go at 71. I mean, that, you know, the average person's living to 80. 80, 81, 82 today, you know, depending male, female, whatever. So it was, it was very shocking, very, very shocking. And, and then you kind of, then psychologically you go, if Nikolai wanted 71, what chance do I have? Cause this guy, this guy was really, really, you know, a health fanatic. So it's, uh, it was very, um, very heartbreaking would be the word. I mean, a lot of the wrestlers who pass away, you can kind of, I don't want to say understand, but, you know, they were living by the whole uh, moniker, uh, live hard, play harder, you know, and he wasn't one of those. He was very sensible by all accounts, and it, it is shocking when you hear something like this happen. Yeah, when, when, when you hear Dick Slade has gone at 67, it's kind of like, you know, Rick James going at 56. It, right. it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Nikolai didn't make sense to me. You know, See, it, I'm shocked every single day that Jake Roberts doesn't die or the Iron Sheik. Now, I know that DDP, Diamond Dollars Page, saved Jake Roberts from certain death. And uh, I hope he turns his life around and I hope he doesn't have that relapse thing. But I told you guys, I was told by a mutual friend that um, Nikolai had a heart attack and they wanted to give him stents, two stents. And he says no. And he left the hospital and died at home. So... It was his stubbornness that made him a great man, and it was stubbornness that killed him, too. Yeah. I spoke to Nikolai when he was in the hospital. He called me. He said, I'm feeling better. I'm going home. So it made it that much more shocking. And, uh, yeah, it was. Um, this was not the guy you'd expect to go relatively young. You were really close friends with Nicole Bass as well. Tell us about her and your friendship and some stories about her. Nicole was larger than life um she'd walk down the street it was kind of like a parade everybody would recognize uh because nicole nicole was famous from howard stern even more so than pro wrestling um she was a regular on howard stern which is huge in this country and um so and she was very distinctive looking she was a huge woman heavily muscled and um you know, again, I would book her for appearances and, you know, just just like the life of the party, a lot of fun. But, but um, she had health issues. Um, 
she had concussions, she had pancreatitis, etc., so on. And there were multiple times where you didn't know if she was going to make it or not. And um, but it's still it's always shocking. I mean, I, I was literally there on her deathbed. Her girlfriend at the time calls me. I go to the hospital the night before she died. She's lying there, brain dead. And the next morning, they pulled the plug. And, and I just walked out of there. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the subway home and just shell-shocked. Shell-shocked. And, um, you know, she was in her early 50s. And, um, you know, very... Uh, it, was a, it was a very painful stretch. My mother and seven friends died within a year and a half. And I still haven't quite gotten over all of it but you plow ahead you know you do what you have to do you never do get over it it's one of those things you just learn to live with and adjust no you lost your brother at a young age i mean how, right. how do you how do you ever come to terms with that it, it's uh you know uh they say time heals all wounds but you know it's like my father died 40 years ago you still feel it it's, it, it, time makes it better, but it doesn't totally heal things. It's, uh, it's, it's life. It's part of life, but it's also people that you love dearly and were uh, very close with and, again, traveled with and spent quality time with. And it's, um, I mean, look, Lanny, Lanny lost his entire family the past, what, seven or eight years. Lanny could certainly tell you. Well, I just keep my mind on the positive. I still have my daughter and grandson, and that's pretty great. Oh, yeah. It's always good to be positive. It's just this this was all very, very recent. Very recent. Now, you've interviewed a host of people. I mean, you and I have had conversations about a particular interview you had with Eddie Guerrero, and he broke down crying in that interview. You you have a way of bringing the best out of people, and you get a lot of emotional impact from it. Tell us about this interview with Eddie. Sure. Um, I've been doing radio since 1991. I was on a 50,000-watt New York station, WBAI-FM 99.5, which is part of Pacifica Radio. And uh, my radio mentor was Fred Giobold, who also passed. He... He was an old school AWA guy from uh, the Midwest and um, he moved to New York and he did an arts program. And when I was doing my newsletter, he invited me to come on and do wrestling segments, which later, you know, we, we did music and authors and actors, et cetera, so on, but we did a lot of wrestling. So we would do phone interviews literally three in the morning, three in the morning. And we call up Eddie Guerrero maybe two weeks after his tag team partner, Art Barr, had died. They found Art Barr, I believe, was about 28 years old or so. They found him dead in a hotel room. And Eddie is on the radio and he's sobbing, sobbing. And it was the most heart wrenching interview I've ever done. And the irony is, Later, they found Eddie dead in a hotel room, you know. And uh, the, other, the other interview that really affected me, I was interviewing Sherry Martell, also 3, 3.30 in the morning. And she says to me, I've spent the last 15 years or so on the road. 
I didn't see my kid grow up. And uh, she got very emotional. And, you know, the sacrifices that these great, great athletes make, you know, people don't realize the physical toll, the emotional, the psychological, the sacrifices. You know, how, how do you take care of a pet while you're on the road? How, how do you raise a son or daughter if you're at that peak period? You know, the, our, our movie's called 350 Days. Some of these guys were wrestling 300 days. Greg Valentine said to me, he said, I wouldn't say 350 days. He said, I, w- I would estimate around 320 days he was wrestling in the mid-80s. 320 days a year. So, um, you know, how do you raise your kid? It's, it's, it's incredible sacrifices. And uh, I know Johnny Valiant had some guilt, you know, being on the road and being away from the family. And, um, I mean, Lanny could tell you better than me. I mean, it's, uh, but she was very emotional, Sherry Martel. We got a great write-up about your memories of that interview on ProWrestlingStories.com. Just search Sherry Martel to see it. And there's something about talking to people at 3, 3.30 in the morning that opens them up. Oh, yeah. I, I, we, I brought in the New Year once, talking to Lou Fez, <laughs> New Year's Eve, on the radio. You know, uh, same thing with Ivan Koloff and Fern Gagne and Kowalski and Blassie and... I'm going to put this out here publicly. I'm going to put J.P. Zucker on the spot. Go on. I have, a, I have a closet full of interviews with the greatest names in the history of the sport just sitting on old school audio cassette tapes. If I drop dead, I want J.P. Zucker to preserve these on his, on his radio shows and uh, prowrestlingstories.com because... It's, it's, it's an oral history. It's, 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 I'm talking, I'm not going to say everybody, because you never speak to everybody, but over the years, you know, most of you know, the greatest legends of the past 30 or so years, like I said, I started in 1991. And a lot of these guys um, you know, had been out there since the 50s before that. So it's really... Uh, an oral history of this business and it's just sitting in my closet (laughs) and I'm not too tech savvy. So I need a guy like JP who's younger and sharper than me to, to, you know, do this. Certainly younger. I don't know about sharper, but I know I really appreciate that. And I assure you they are in good hands and we will do something with those, those uh, recordings at some point down the line. It'd be a shame. It'd be a shame. Uh, you know, my wife won't know what it is. She'll toss them in the garbage when I go. No, put so. put something on a big sticker right on it. Do not throw out. Give to JP. But hopefully we'll the be... Next time I see you, I'll just hand them to you. Right. Yeah. That's it. I, I want to talk about how you got involved with the movie The Wrestler in 350 days as well. But not many people realize this. I know we mentioned it in our first episode. But the reason this show exists is because of you, Evan. Yeah, I, I introduced you and Lanny when you came to New York for the uh, 350 days um, you know, premiere, and uh, you guys hit it off and bonded. And what, what I found over the years is one thing always leads to another. And, and, and sometimes it's when you least expect it. And um, I had Nikolai and Johnny Valiant for an autograph signing in a wrestling store 
just like Lanny and I have done many, many times over the years, and we're just sitting there, and the executive producer, Scott Franklin, and people get confused with titles. The executive producer is the money guy. I was the associate producer on The Wrestler. I was the wrestling guy. But anyway, so I'm sitting there with Johnny and Nikolai, and the best friend of the executive producer happens to be there, and he's like, you guys would be great for this project that we're working on called The Wrestler, and I'd like you guys to come and meet Darren Aronofsky. And, you know, I gave him the contact information, and over the years, you get 100 pitches, and Lanny will tell you that, you know, 90 of them don't come through, but this, this time they actually called. So, so um, next thing I know, I'm sitting with Aronofsky, um, the screenwriter, Scott Franklin, the producer, and we're just chatting, and um, everybody hit it off. They just hit it off, and... Johnny Valiant's there, Nikolai's there, Tiger Khan, Nikolai's manager, and we just, you know, everybody. So next thing I know, um, you know, some time goes by, and they offer me, they go, you'd be perfect as the associate producer, you have all these contacts, and blah, 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 and basically I was the wrestling guy, so um, I brought in Ring of Honor, I brought in Necro Butcher, um... I brought in Ron Killings. If you remember, Ron Killings was briefly wrestling Romeo Roselli in one scene in, in The Wrestler, and Mickey Rock is sitting in the stands over at Jersey All-Pro. And here's a funny story. Lanny will tell you. I brought in Lanny. And, and Aronofsky's like, Lanny looks, too, Lanny looks too good. Lanny doesn't look beaten down. Lanny doesn't fit. Remember that, Lanny? He said I looked like a game show host. And I said, look at this studio filled with glamorous prizes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should have grown your beard out a bit, Lanny, so you could have been in The Wrestler. Oh, man. My beard was mostly crayon at the best. And uh, a funny story with The Wrestler, um, that really tragic um, convention scene, I was pitching... Darren, Darren Aronofsky, uh, I said, Darren, why don't you let me bring in all the, all the guys? Let me bring in Albano and Nikolai and, you know, Jimmy Valiant and let me bring in all these guys. It'll be an unbelievable scene. And he, and he waved on it. He was debating, he was debating, he was debating. And finally he goes, no, because why? Because he felt Mickey would look like the what's wrong with this picture. He'd be in the middle of all these legitimate guys. And if you look at that scene, the only two actual wrestlers in there was Johnny Valiant, who didn't have his hair dyed, so he didn't look like Johnny Valiant, and Manny Yarborough, who was a sumo and a wrestler and a UFC guy. And um, the rest were all extras who just looked you know, rugged. And um, so that never really uh, materialized the way I envisioned it. But what did happen was I was on the set and Darren looks at me and he gets this smirk and he goes, come here, Evan. I'm like, yeah. Next thing I know, I'm acting in that scene. <laughs> and uh, it was total improv. Mickey just whispers in my ear, improv it. He thinks I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm not, I've never acted in my life. 
So I'm just thinking, what would I say to a famous wrestler who I loved as a kid? And I just thought, you know, I, I loved you as a kid. I saw you at the garden. Can I have your autograph? And Mickey looks at me and he goes, what's your name? So I'm thinking for a second because we're improving it. And I go, Evan. So I'm playing myself in a fictional movie. How surreal this is. You couldn't think and, of a better name than that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so, so uh, that's my that's my thirty seconds of immortality. So they'll be playing that movie a hundred years from now because Mickey's performance is so great. I think it's comparable to Brando and On the Waterfront, particularly when he does the scene where he goes, "I'm just a broken down piece of meat." Very. It's, a, it's an unbelievable performance. He won the Golden Globe. He was nominated for the uh, Oscar. He didn't win. He, Sean Penn won that year. But um, I don't think you'll ever see a better performance. I mean, that movie was made on a budget, too. And did you guys ever envision that it would grow to be as big as it did? Well, um, it was done on $6 million. Oh, Well, never mind budget. Oh, no, that's a budget. That's a, that's a low budget, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, $6 million, that's a yeah, six lifetimes. That's nothing. That's nothing. I mean, Darren wanted $18 million, and we ended up with six because uh, Mickey's name wasn't what it was at the time. And um, am I allowed to curse on your show? Oh, yes. Yeah, you can swear. Okay. Okay, so... Um, we're at the uh, we're at the rap party. The whole thing's finished, and Darren gets the mic and he does this little speech, and he goes, "Quote: I don't know what the fuck we have, but we have something here." So, no, we didn't actually know how big it would be, and um, when I say big as a critical success. It, it made about $40 million domestic. It, 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 it wasn't the Avengers or Spider-Man, but critically, you know, it, it's something we're all so proud of. And, um, you know, create art. Don't create crap. Create art. And that's what Darren decided to do. And I'll tell you another quick story. He, um, he says, Evan, we're uh, going to go pick up Nicolas Cage. I'm like, okay. So we, we, we meet Nicolas Cage in the basement of the Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, they're having a Ring of Honor show because we couldn't get the funding that we wanted with Mickey. And he, again, he, he was wavering again. Um, so Nicolas Cage, it was my job to like show him around and introduce him to everybody. And he thought Ring of Honor was like UFC. He thought it was real. So no it, kidding. It was a great night. I mean, you know, Nigel McGuinness and uh, uh, Brian Danielson. I mean, just you know, this was in this was uh, a while back, two thousand six or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, the wrestler came out in two thousand and eight. So this was obviously before then. So, right. uh, so after the fact, when we have a meeting. And Darren's like, um, Nicholas Cage looks too healthy. Because at the time, he was like in his early to mid-40s, and he was actually in good physical shape, and he looked good, and he's like, Mickey's right for the part. So he actually went with the less marketable actor because he wanted to create 
the movie that he envisioned, and he stuck he stuck to his guns, and you know, much respect, much respect, because uh, you know, a different director would have gone for the money. He went for the movie that he wanted to create. I can't imagine Nicolas Cage in that role. And you were also involved in the movie 350 Days, which just came out in July. Tell us about that. Sure. Um, Darren Antola and uh, Fulvio Cesare and David Wilkins are the producers. And basically they hired me to do much of what I did for The Wrestler. You know, uh, get the word out, use various contacts, um, you know, just... Basically, the same associate producer. An associate producer works for the producers. So basically, whatever they would ask me to do, I did. And uh, also was part of the uh, publicity campaign. And um, Lanny was very gracious. He did a ton of interviews for us. And uh, just, just to update everybody, we played in nearly 400 theaters nationwide for Fathom. That was a one-nighter. And we're in the process now of finalizing a distribution deal so we should very shortly have a major announcement and it will get seen it will get seen and it's the right time it's the right time uh, and, and why do i say that uh for example rick flair on espn um jake the snake was a huge success on netflix andre the giants movie got seen by a zillion people on hbo the interest is there. The market is there. The forums to show it are there. And it's like a golden age of documentaries to begin with. There's just so many places to show documentaries. And, uh, you know, I'm not naive. Again, this doesn't mean it'll be the Avengers or Spider-Man or whatever. It's a documentary. But we are confident that it'll get seen and the response was so positive. I mean, Lanny saw it. I mean, you know, we did our best to make a quality movie. It was awesome. I mean, for me to fly out to New York for this from London, uh, a lot of our listeners don't realize this, but I've been teaching for 10 years. And in England, where I live, our school year ends at the third or fourth week of July. So this was, um, I believe, the 5th of July or something. So I still had a couple of weeks left in the school year. I asked my principal, you know, I'd like to go to New York for this event. One of my writers, Evan, is uh, going to be, he's associate producer. He's got a movie coming out. Can I go? And she's like, I'll think about it. You know, she got back to me a couple days later and saying, you know what? You live once, go to New York. And, you know, through this trip, I met you, Evan, in person, Lanny, Greg Valentine, Tito Santana, J.J. Dillon, you name it, a who's who. So that was exciting. But to see this movie... And the response from the people, I mean, Bob Backlund was in the theater with us watching this as... Joe Gertner. I love Joe Gertner from ECW. Joe Gertner, he was great. Yeah. I mean, I had a good yeah. conversation with him. And, you know, Hollywood from Glow and just uh, people just showing up as fans just to watch it. Not to, because they were involved, because they believed in the project. And it really portrayed a real image of what life was like on the road. I mean, the whole premise of it is 350 days on the road each year. And, you know, like you said, it was probably closer to 320, what have you. But the reality was there. And just how many people were interviewed? I think over 90 in you know, 30-some are in it? Yeah, it was something like 90. Uh, you know, it was done over several years, and different people did interviews. And, um, 
And unfortunately, about 10 of them are gone at this point, including Don Leo Jonathan. So uh, we, we have like a laundry list of guys who have passed since then. And some of them, it was their last interviews. And um, again, you're preserving history and oral history. And not a lot of guys, you know, were following the Wolfman around with with a uh, camera and microphone uh, you know, uh, it's it, it's great to have captured it on film. And, uh, you know, you never know down the road. I, you know, there could be uh, uh, the directors talking about a director's cut. And, you know, there's always DVD extras and such. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of footage that hasn't been seen. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how far we could take it over, over the, you know, near future. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean... 60 wrestlers didn't even make the cut, you know, and as you said, 10 of the ones that did are no longer with us because that was a seven year process, the filming of this movie. And so to see it all come together, it was special. It was really great to watch. Yeah, people, people have no idea what goes into making a movie, uh, the business end of it, the stress, the thousands of hours of editing. If you're going to make a movie, you almost have to go in with the idea this is something you need to do that you're passionate about that, you know, you, you just have to do it because there's no guarantee you're going to get rich from it. Certainly. And <laughs> there's, there's been endless horror stories where people have lost their shirts. So, uh, you really have to be passionate about something. And the wrestler was one of the great experiences of my life. And I think when the smoke clears, this is going to, um, end up being seen and cherished and uh there's an audience for this there's a lot of old school fans who you know just the other day when don leo died i, I just you know you just felt you just felt the sadness you know i grew up with don leo especially you know the canadian fans and yeah now you do um you're still doing radio you were mentioning how you did it back in the day but you're doing it with village connection radio every sunday you get a lot of guests on your show from musicians to wrestlers to artists to poets. Tell us about this. Sure. Uh, I grew up on Joe Franklin and uh, Johnny Carson, of course, and Ed Sullivan and you know, uh, Dick Cavett and Arsenio Hall. And I just like a variety format. And, uh, for example... This Sunday, I have on two musical acts and a wrestler. Um, my, my, my radio mentor, Fred Giobold, referred to wrestling as the proletarian performance art, theater for the people. So to me, a wrestler who's colorful, charismatic, a good talker, is a great guest. And you can mix him or her with musicians and uh you know, artists and poets. Uh, poets and, yeah, I'll, I'll have a wrestler sitting next to a poet, and, and it works. It and works. a gospel singer on the other end of the couch. You know exactly, I mean? exactly. They're, you know, my, here, here's my dream. Here's my dream show. I'd like to have an ex-president sitting next to a porn queen sitting next to like Terry Funk. I think that would be like the greatest show of all time. That would you be know, good. Just, that would be unhinged. Yeah. 
Yeah, just, and just let them all, you know, you have like somebody who's laid back, like a Bill Clinton. See, that would be like a dream show to me. That, that would be colorful. Lanny's the perfect guest on the show. Yeah, me and Stormy Daniels, right? That's right. Lanny, Stormy Daniels, Terry Funk, and, uh, you know, an, an ex-president. That would be a show. That would be a show. It would work. Everybody would just, you know, uh, sit there and chat, and, and, and somehow it would make sense. Let's make it happen, like a circus sideshow act on, on Village Connection Radio. You know, stranger things have happened. Joe Franklin, I don't know if Lanny saw Joe Franklin. Oh, yes, I did. I certainly did. Okay, good, good. Because he would have, like, Betty Davis sitting next to Lou Albano. And it was just surreal. It was surreal. But somehow it worked. And, and, and I'm like, there's no rules to any of this. And then guys like Letterman came along, and he didn't take it so seriously and you're like okay let's just have fun and um i radio radio is a blank canvas you 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 may have certain restrictions as far as language you may have certain restrictions as far as how long you could go an hour hour and a half two hours whatever the case may be but it's a blank canvas and you can do what you like with it and um and my show, you can watch because it's on video as well. So uh, even, you know, it, that, that enhances it as well. We could show video clips. It's almost like a hybrid, you know, TV and radio show. Now, of course, through over the years, you've become friends with a lot of people in the business of professional wrestling. And, you know, when I was in New York, on one day you had uh, Greg Valentine sleeping on your couch and then the next day Lanny Poffo. You know, I would watch a reality TV show called Evan's Couch just to see yeah. <laughs> just yeah. the stories of the people who've come to your house and, and slept with, at, at your place. And t- tell me about who are some of the people who have slept on your couch? Johnny Valiant, Lanny, Greg, um, I'm trying to think. I had one, one day we were doing a uh, convention in Baltimore and waiting outside of my house. It was like the WWE Hall of Fame. There was Albano and Nikolai and um, who else? Jimmy Valiant. They were all like standing outside my house. It was surreal. It was absolutely. I'm like, as a kid, I, I, I wouldn't have believed this. And uh, we made our way to Baltimore. And uh, Lanny, were you with us for that trip? Seika was there, the porn queen. and I, I definitely was not. I would have remembered Seika. Yeah. Fred Williamson, the hammer. It was, you know, it was just a, um, it's an honor to be uh, amongst, you know, these legends and uh to call some of them friends and um you know but the other side of it is it's not always that glamorous after a while you know you see you're like you you see a lot of guys who are on the way down like like you know movie stars and singers and such so um you know, how many times, Lanny will tell you, how many times can you look across a convention and there's Virgil and Sonny and, you know, after a while, Missy Hyatt, after a while, it doesn't feel that glamorous. It doesn't feel that glamorous sometimes. You, you cannot go to a convention without seeing Virgil or even on a subway. Yeah. Yeah, Virgil's <laughs> always there selling his gimmicks somewhere. But 
I'll tell you, the guy's always been pleasant. I, I never once had a bad experience with him. He's a pleasant enough guy. Well, I can, uh, I can't say that, but you thank you for saying that. Okay. 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 Maybe maybe your definition of pleasant is different than mine, but uh, anyway, I he the good thing about Virgil when Ted DiBiase's around, he's in much better behavior. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I ever get it. Hey, brother, how are you? What's up? Handshake. I mean, that's my entire interaction. I don't know. So you would know better than me. Hey, brother, give me some of that fuck money. <laughs> now, now you piqued my interest, Lanny. Are, are, are you open to sharing a story about Virgil? No, let's skip it. We're going to talk about wrestlers instead. <laughs> I see what you did there. See what I did there? I oh, do. you never, you guys never let me get away with a little, you know, you always catch me and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, Virgil's got a GoFundMe page. He's determined to be a millionaire. I think he's so far, he's raised 38 cents. Wow. Wow. I read that one of the Kardashians did that and people spent the, like all kinds of money. What they went, she went on GoFundMe, one of the Kardashians. Yeah. Oh. And that's not a that's not a bad idea. <laughs> just have just have stupid fans send rich people money. Oh my god! This is how the rich get richer. I mean, I heard something popped up on my Facebook or something. It was trending the other day as a highlight. You need to see this. One of the Kardashians had cereal with milk for the first time, and I'm like, fuck that! I mean, what kind what? of life are they living? Wow, that's that's really sacrificing. <laughs> I know. I, we're actually killing the ears of our listeners, even mentioning that name on our show, The Kardashians. So we'll move on. One of the Jenners um, got a penectomy and a, and a castration. Does that count? It does. They turned a pole into a hole. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How do we segue from there? So what are you up to these days, Evan? I know you're teaching, you're doing your radio show, you write for the site when you have some time. I'm going to be acting in a couple of uh, indie films with uh, Christopher Anino coming up. And uh, Lanny would like this. Um, next weekend in Connecticut, there's a vaudeville convention. So uh, we're going to be part of that. Angel Orsini uh, from um, ECW and Glow from Hollywood. and Hollywood from Glow, I should say. Hollywood right. from Glow. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. A vaudeville convention. Uh and Chris Anino in 2018 is making silent films. Silent films. So uh, maybe we could get Lanny involved somehow. He'd be perfect. It's, uh, I'm going to be able to tell people that I'm so old I made silent films. Because <laughs> I'm going to be acting in one. So uh, that's going to, you know, I, I think Lanny and I kind of see the world the same way. You know, you, not always about money a lot of it's enjoy the ride experience things and you never know how far something will go i mean well, one of my uh, one of my quotes is from albert einstein who was an actual genius not a pretend one like i was but it said not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts so what does that mean it's not always about the money sometimes it's about the opportunity or just go there and see what happens. It, you know, everything's an experience. It might be good. It might not. But at least you're living and you're alive. Sure. And Evan, I have to, I have to say, just having gotten to know you over this past year, 
you know, you're the type of person, and I've always in my own life, through the, some close loved ones who's passed on before, to live life for two. You're living a life for eight or nine. I mean, you're, you're and one minute you're writing a book, and next you're doing radio, and the next time you're taking three trains over to do this. And aren't you doing something with Broadway? Are you going to be helping out with the production soon as well? Yeah, we're going to uh, be taking a uh, show about wrestling um, off-Broadway in um, 2019 in the fall. And uh, Jason Static is um, the brains behind that, and I'm going to be the acting director. So this is going to be an off-Broadway show about wrestling, and uh, that's going to be exciting. And basically, the first act, you establish the characters. And the second act, they're actually going to be wrestling on stage. And it's called We Don't Play Fight. We Don't Play Fight. So uh, it's coming to Chicago in the spring. And uh, then it's coming to New York in the fall. And uh, so that, that's exciting to branch into that. I, I had taken Johnny Valiant's uh, one-man theatrical show, um, off-Broadway in New York, you know, uh, a while back as well. So I, I do have some experience with this. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's like like even you guys, you guys are doing quality radio. Whether you call it a podcast or radio, to me it's radio. So you don't know how far you could take this. You know, you don't know what it'll lead to. You could You could be... You could be on Sirius Satellite in front of you know, millions of people a couple months from now. You don't know where things lead to. When you say no, it closes the door. When you say yes, it opens the door to other possibilities. And I, I just always say do quality work from the heart instead of doing crap just for cash. And it, it, just, it just makes the opportunities that much you know, more possible. Like a, a good example is the movie Once about the uh, street musicians. Um, uh, they shot it on one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Next thing you know, it wins it wins the Oscar for best song, and the <laughs> and the guys at the Academy Awards. And he says, "Quote, create art, create art, because you never know how far it'll take you." And uh, and Worst case scenario, you know, you, you, you enjoy the ride and, you know, it's, um, I don't have a lot of regrets. You're an inspiration. And I know a lot of our listeners here in this, hopefully you've inspired people to say no less within reason, of course, and just live, you know, and sleep is for the dead. Do what you can. <laughs> create art, put yourself out there and, you know, surrounding myself with people like you, Evan and, and Lanny, just very motivating, very inspiring. And I, I consider myself very lucky to have you both in my life. And Evan, it's been a huge pleasure having you on our show. Truly appreciate it. Well, thank you. Let me just say one last thing. Um, Please. Pro wrestling stories. There, there's, there's endless, endless websites out there. And basically, they, for the most part, not a blanket statement, they obsessively, you know, talk about meaningless TV wrestling angles and pay-per-views, and you decided to, to do quality work with people who can write, with, 
you know, t- writing about writing about history and writing about things that matter, as opposed to, you know, uh, what did the uh, what did, what did the uh, women's what did the women's division do on SmackDown on Tuesday? <laughs> you follow? It's uh, you know. Much respect, much respect to you as well. And I'm not just saying it because you were complimentary. I sincerely mean it. And you're the only website I, I you know, I generally write for. It's uh, you and Mark Madison's uh, website, basically. I, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of respect for much of what's out there, you know. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. And of course, let's put a shout out to Mark Madison. He's written a few pieces for ProWrestlingStories.com. He's got the website ProWrestlingPost.com. He's done tons of interviews. He's a really lovely guy. I mean, I think that's just a tradition from Canada. Just a big heart, good person. You write for him. And if it weren't for him, obviously you and I wouldn't have met. So thank you, Mark, if you're listening. And, you know, as you say, create art, do things from the heart, and good things will come. And surround yourself with good people, and I think that's what we're doing here. Yeah, and you guys, you guys do a great job every week. I listen, I listen to you guys every week. And Lanny, I, ju- I just want to say when when you had um, when you had um, t- was it Typhoon the other week, right? Tugboat. Tugboat, rather. Yeah, they they were partners. Tugboat. You had Tugboat on the other week, and what he was saying was very inspirational. He he, he was saying, enjoy life. And be happy. Uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but I was listening to it and I'm like, this is what radio should be about. Again, it wasn't just about wrestling angles. Uh, you know, he says, I walk around with a smile. Oh, I yes. I just made a mistake. Tugboat is Typhoon. Okay? Yeah, one, just, one and the same. Yeah, and the Shockmaster and uh, all that. He's had so many gimmicks. We were, we were both right. Yeah, I'm, I'm wrong again. Yeah, I... You know, that genius thing is so hard to live up to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're very much lucking out with our guests on the show thus far. I mean, it's even Jim Duggan on our show, he, he had some fantastic bits of advice, and he's been there, done that, you know. So we consider ourselves lucky, and we just, you know, we'll see where things go. We're bringing back the past. You know, hopefully we're being able to provide a way to distract people from, you know, the things that are happening in their lives, yeah. good or bad. And um, whenever I talk about Lanny, I go, Lanny transcends wrestling. Lanny can talk about pop culture. Lanny could talk about history. Lanny's been around the world. You know, it's like a a lot of the wrestlers, they're very worldly. They've been literally everywhere. And uh, I mean... that's that's exaggerated, but I mean, literally around the world and um, the experiences and the, you know, just the awareness, um, you know, Johnny Valiant wrestled in front of oil sheiks 3 a.m. in the Middle East. You know, uh, some of the some of these guys have wined and dined with kings and queens, literally, and um, just some amazing experiences. So. If you're going to do a podcast, a radio show, a TV show, whatever the case may be, why limit it to, gee, what about the angle on Raw Monday night? (laughs) There's more interesting things to discuss. Well, tune in next week. I'm going to talk about fjords I've been to. There you go. There you go. (laughs) 
Well, I'd be more interested in that than a, a lot of the stuff on TV. Okay, I'm not going to talk about fjords. Don't worry about it. Oh, you got. I was already starting to come up with some ideas in my head. We could do just like, and then the following week, we're going to talk about creeks. <laughs> and dams. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> and guests on our show will be Claude. Let's talk about the Byzantine Empire. There, uh, you know what? If we're going to talk history on our show, why not open it up? I mean, I've taught history for 10 years. That is one of my passions. Let's do it. We could talk all about the Norman Conquest in England as well. William the Conqueror. Ah, uh, William the Conqueror. Yeah, we're, we're boring our listeners. <laughs> Let's talk about William Wallace. There you go. Scotland. I was, I was up uh, late last night watching documentaries on how Mangala escaped Dr. Mangala and, and the Malay Massacre in uh, Vietnam. I mean, uh, you know, history is fascinating, and sometimes the guilty do not get punished. You know, so much for karma. You know, that Malay massacre, the only guy that saw jail time was uh, Callie, from, uh, from what the, the documentary was saying. Yeah, let's talk, about, let's talk about Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon and how many men they killed for nothing. Mm. I'll tell you, as a kid, um, I'm watching TV, and Nixon comes out, and he quits on TV. I'm a kid. I'm watching this. I'm like, what's? I never saw a president quit on TV. How how bizarre was that, Lanny? Well, you were older. You you, you probably got it more than I did. I, I didn't get it. Well, he was trying to avoid the big impeachment, so you know he did the right thing for for the first time. I'm just saying how bizarre it was to watch this. But see, I'm older than you guys, so I have friends that are dead from Vietnam. So naturally, I'm much angrier. Sure, sure. On a blase note like that, uh, let's go. On that and, positive uh, note. I just, I just want to say, Evan, thank you for your years of friendship. Stay off the croak list. And you are one guy that's done a lot of business with me and you don't owe me a penny. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, Lanny. And, uh, you know, L Lanny, I consider a friend, <laughs> not a client. And my wife <laughs> loves Lanny and you're always, you know, welcome here and, uh, that's what we're, we're going to do. Next time JP's in town, we'll do a uh, reality show with uh, Lanny on the couch. What do you think, JP? E Evan's couch. We'll set up a webcam, but don't forget to turn it off at night. And we're <laughs> going to talk about my favorite subject, fjords. Yes. <laughs> you know, we've joked about this in, in just Evan and I about taking, you know, take, doing a little bit of a road show. Lanny, you, let's put Greg Valentine on board, Tito, what have you, and just go town to town and just pick up a mic, have no notes, and just, just share stories. I think this is something that would be amazing. I'd like to do this at some point. What do you think, Lanny? I'm in. I'm in with you guys. Whatever you want to do, I'm in. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that would be amazing, and, and it's a very simple format. You know, you, you, you have um, Q&A. You have uh, road stories. Lanny could do some poems. <laughs> I, think it, I think it would work. I think it would actually be fun. It would be entertaining. And um, Lanny, you could even do a one-man show like uh, about your life. That would be, that would be uh, interesting. I'm willing to try it if you are. You know what I mean? Let's go. Let's do it. Evan, we're going to have you on the show again. An absolute pleasure to talk to you today. All right, and I'm holding you to um, to uh, transcribing all of my uh, 
40 years of, of uh, 30, 30 or so years of uh, wrestling radio tapes down the road. We want, we want to share that with the public. That'll be my legacy. He's going to make it digital and it's going to be easy. So yeah, um, we'll do it that way. And I need to multiply myself to uh, transcribe it, but we'll definitely put it out there in audio format sometime down the line. Next time I'm in New York, I think it's going to be sometime in 2019. We'll make sure it happens. We'll come over, we'll grab some of those tapes and we'll put it out there for you all. Yeah, that would be, uh, I'll tell you over the years, uh, basically a who's who, it's a shame for it to sit in the closet. It's been bothering me for decades now. So, uh, JP's doctor. We'll take that off your shoulders there and take it out of the closet. This is what is known in the show business as the long goodbye. But anyway, Evan, <laughs> thank you for being such a mensch. And uh, I really appreciate it all the years. Thank you so much. Same here. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Evan's one of the nicest, sweetest men on earth. I mean, I, I think that was able to come across in our recording with him today. Oh, yes. He's a real mensch. And if you don't know what that is, look up Yiddish expressions. <laughs> and, you know, just talking to him. I mean, just the other day, I was, I don't know, I was up at one in the morning. I think I was editing our show and he was sharing with me Brazilian music. And I'm responding with, oh, you got to check out this band from Nigeria, you know. And it's just the type of person where... Talking about wrestling is actually doesn't come up. You know, he's just got a lot of worldly thoughts. He's got a lot of interests in so many different arts. I mean, on Facebook, he's got Evan Ginsberg's supporting independent music page. You know, he's got his historical wrestling page and he's got his radio page. And he's the type of person where you could just talk about anything. And it's an absolute pleasure every time that we talk. And you can blame it on the bossa nova, the dance of love. That's a Brazilian. There you go. And God, what was the song he was playing for me the other day? It was like, it's been voted the best song in Brazil's history. Um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll do a bit of post-editing magic, and I'll play that at the end for our listeners to hear. Any parting thoughts from you, Lanny? Yeah, a lot of wrestlers, well, you know, I go to a lot of wrestling schools. They bring me in to do seminars. I even, you know, different go to different countries to do this. And they said... What is the most important lesson you can teach us? And I said, well, I've got two lessons. Number one, ask yourself this question every day. If I were a fan, would I pay to see myself? And if the answer is yes, why? If the answer is no, why not? And the other more practical, more pragmatic thing I would like to tell the you know, young wrestlers, when you go pay to see a wrestling match, always bring your suitcase. You never know who's not going to show up. Always be prepared. Yeah, and be there with your with your gear and say, hey, listen, I'm a wrestler, and if you need an extra wrestler, if somebody doesn't show up, I'm the man. I've got my gear. And next thing you know, a lot of guys got their break that way. Always be prepared. Always be on time. And never fail to be polite. Yeah, and if, you don't, if you're not polite, then shut the fuck up. And with that, we end this week of the Genius Cast. So long. Sayonara. Blame it on the bossa nova. The dance of love. <laughs> é pau, é pedra, é o fim do caminho. É o resto de toco, é um pouco sozinho. É um caco de vidro, é a vida, é o sol. É a noite, é a morte, é o laço, é o anzol. É peroba do campo. É o pó da 
madeira. I just want to say not as the genius, not as Leaping Lanny, as Lanny Poffo. Thank you to all the fans that made this genius cast a big success. It's a lot of fun to do. I hope it's fun to listen to. We can't thank you enough, guys, and thank you to everyone who's already left a five-star review on iTunes. Every single one of those is going to help our show grow. If you haven't done so already, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Genius Cast. We're going to be using those accounts to keep the Poffo family memory alive. Quick shout out to ProWrestlingTees.com where you can get both of Lanny's shirts for sale. You've got the Black Machismo Jay Lethal on one side and you've got Lanny on the other. And also don't forget the new Genius Glow shirt for sale. You look great in front of your friends and you'll get a shout out on our show. Thank you to all the fans who've written in and sent in your poems that you wrote specifically for this show. That means a lot. You can continue to do that and send Macho Man Clip of the Week suggestions and questions for the show to thegeniuscast at prowrestlingstories.com. We had a lot of fun this week and we can't wait to bring you a new Genius Cast each Monday, so don't forget to subscribe. I'm J.P. Zarka, and you can find me on Twitter at J.P. Zarka, that's Z like zebra, A-R-K-A. That's it for now. So long and goodbye. You've been listening to The Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo. This has been a ProWrestlingStories.com production. Find them on social media at The Genius Cast, at Lanny Poffo, or at J.P. Zarka. If you'd like to advertise to thousands of dedicated listeners on the show each week, send an email to TheGeniusCast at ProWrestlingStories.com. Until next time.